for us. Now, as I give that invitation here, I want to make sure I'm giving that invitation as, as clearly as I can, both in our overflow and you guys who are joining us online. We just want you to be fully with us and believing that if you would open up a copy of the scriptures as well so that you could follow along with us, it would be a space where God would just speak to you this morning as we long for that to happen. Now, again, uh, this is a special message, and it probably makes sense, but next, we're working through First John on Sunday mornings. We'll be back there uh, next Sunday, but we pause this morning because it is, in one sense, a special space. It's, it's the new year. It's the first Sunday of a new year, and just in that sense, it gives us an opportunity just to speak into that, kind of walking in that. Don't know if that finds you right where you are or how you see New Year's, but we just want to speak that the first Sunday in the new year and just have an opportunity for that. But honestly, maybe you already understand. It's not just a new year. It's kind of a new season for us. Uh, we've had Pastor Phil serving with us for, again, 22 years. And so it's a brand new season that he's no longer, you know, leading us in worship and kind of moving into a new season. And it just seemed good for us to pause and kind of speak that and kind of address how do we do that? How do we do new? How do, how do, we, how do we work and, and walk in that which God would call us to be? And that's what we want to talk about this morning and believing that God would just speak it into your life. But with that as an aim, let's take a moment and ask him for that. I'm going to lead you in prayer, but I'm hoping you're praying as well, that you would just ask God to make his will known to you, that he would speak to you through his word, by his spirit in this space. And I believe that if you would be hearing, you would hear him. So I just want to invite you to Kind of position yourself that way right now. Let's ask him to do that. Would you join me? Father, right now, right here, would you grant us help and favor? Would you give us ears to hear what your spirit is speaking? I believe in your faithfulness. I believe that you're a God who is speaking and would speak to us. I know this, that you'd work into every heart here. God, I, I believe that if we would be open to it, we would both understand truth that's laid out before us, but more than that, you would apply it because you're that faithful. You're a God who would open up to us what we needed to get from this day in a personal and real way. So I'm asking you to do that, and yet I'm asking really that you would soften us to hear it so that we would miss nothing of what you would speak to us right now, that we would hear what you would say in your faithfulness towards us. We ask that right now as we trust you and thank you for your goodness this morning. We do that together in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. New beginnings. New beginnings. Yeah, that's what we want to speak about this morning, a new year, new season for us as a church. And yet there is a sense that I want you to know that God is certainly seeking to draw you into a new beginning today. I hope to express to you in such a way that you'll see it clearly this morning with me that, that he is seeking to do that, and I wonder what that would look like. Well, see, new comes in a lot of different packages. It happens in a lot of different ways. New that would happen into our lives, new that would be taking place into our lives, it can come about in, in a lot of different fashions, in a lot of different ways. Sometimes it really is just a new beginning, something that wasn't there before. So I think about it, I'm just going to use a few pictures on the screen that hopefully a picture can speak more words than I can say, but sometimes new literally is that, something that didn't exist that now is coming into existence, and maybe he's inviting you into that. 
sometimes new is leaving something that was there and stepping into something else. Where God transitions us, certainly that's partly what's happening to us as a church, that he's inviting us to, you know, kind of enter into a new space. Sometimes new is leaving behind darkness. Sometimes it's walking into light, and, and, and the new beginning is to, to walk out of that which would be there. And maybe for you this morning, that's what he's inviting you into. Sometimes new is just getting back up. Sometimes it's just having fallen down and, and, and being able to recognize that what's taking place, but that new is just to step back into that moment. And sometimes new, it's not doing anything different. Well, again, I just don't know how it works in your life. Maybe you're a person who makes New Year's resolutions and you've made some. Hey, great, good. Hope that happens. Maybe you're not. And maybe you kind of think, okay, things are, you know, I felt like God's been leading me. And, and so as we think about new, it's not as if, you know, you're starting something you weren't doing before, but it's stepping into it again. Just, you know, kind of putting on the shoes again, just stepping back into the role again, stepping back into what he has, and that in itself has an element of newness to it. In one way or another, maybe through one of these aspects or another, God would be speaking that to you this morning, that he would be inviting you into newness today into a new beginning. That's what we want to talk about this morning. We want to think about that reality and where it is, and we want to talk about how to do that. But before we get there, a couple things that will just help us build ourselves up to that. For starters, I want to just begin by just letting you understand that really, if you're in Christ, you are a new beginning. That's already taken place in your life. I love the way Paul gives it to us in 2 Corinthians 5. He says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have come new, become new. Here's the incredible reality. If you're in Christ, if you've believed upon Jesus and you've been born again and you're saved, if anyone is in Christ, you are a new creation. Like everything that people long for and new hopes and new beginnings, you are. You have that which everything else is but just a facsimile of or some shadow of the real thing that God does in our lives. And I need you to understand this idea of a new beginning is exactly who we are. We're a people who believe in new beginnings and, and believe that God does that. And if you're in Christ, I want to remind you of that. I want to tell you that we are that. In fact, that's a little bit what we see here in Philippians 3. Paul is giving us a little bit of his own personal testimony as he begins it. He uses different words with a very similar reality, but notice it with me in verse 3. It says, For we are the circumcision, who worship God in the Spirit, rejoice in Christ Jesus, and have no confidence in the flesh. Boy, there's a ton there, but I just want to tell you, he says, this is who we are. Uh, that when he thinks about the circumcision, which has this kind of Old Testament picture of being God's people, of being separated and marked as God's people, he says, if you're in Christ, that's us. We're the ones who have been separated to God. We're the ones who get to worship God. We're the ones who do that with no confidence in ourselves because our confidence is Jesus. We are the new beginnings. We are the ones who do that. Now, as he lets us know that, that's true for those of us who are in Christ, but he goes on to give a little bit of his own testimony that highlights that this is actually needed for everybody. That when we think about new beginnings, that there is a sense of saying everybody needs what Jesus has. There's no way outside of that. Paul uses his own testimony for that as if to say if anybody didn't need it, it would have been Paul. Notice how he says it. Pick it up there in verse 4. 
He says, though I also might have confidence in the flesh. If anyone else thinks he may have confidence in the flesh, I'm more so. Like if, I, if anybody could have done this without Jesus, it would have been me, Paul says. Circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, concerning the law, a Pharisee, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, concerning the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. But what things were gain to me? These things I have counted lost for Christ, yet I indeed count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish, that I may gain Christ and be found in Him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith, that I may know Him and the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of His sufferings being conformed to to His death, if by any means I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. Hey, there is so much in there as Paul shares just how God brought him to this space. But hear with me the simple nugget that I want you to have out of this right now. If anybody could have done it, If anybody could have lived life without a new beginning, it would have been Paul. But nobody can. The Bible's really clear. Paul would say it in the book of Romans, as it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. I need to speak this right now because I don't know where this lands with you. There might be somebody in our our midst right now, or maybe you're in our overflow or on your uh, online, and honestly, you're not a follower of Jesus right now, and you're not entirely sure that you need it. There is a sense that in some way, maybe you've kind of bought into a lie that you're good enough or compared with other people, you're a pretty good person. And you've maybe bought into that age old lie that, you know, kind of says, hey, if, you know, God, you know, grades on the curve, I'm going to make my way in. But he doesn't grade on the curve. And Paul says if he, could have, if, if he couldn't make it, nobody else could. And God brought him to an end to himself so that he recognized the only way to be made right with God is through faith in Christ. And we just want to speak that to you right now and say, hey, if that's you this morning, if you're outside of a relationship with Jesus, we want to tell you you need it because everyone needs a new beginning. Everyone needs to be born again. There's no other hope. There's no other way. And there's no other way to do that. And just hear me as clear as I can. If God is speaking to you today, we invite you into a relationship with Jesus. We invite you into a place that you could be made new because he does that. He makes new creations. He, he rescues people from that. And that's an incredible reality. Okay. So that forms a little bit of the backdrop to where we want to go this morning. So we want to talk about how to walk in these things, but again, just making sure you got the backdrop. If you're in Christ, you are a new creation, and everybody needs that. Nobody can make it outside of that. But now he's going to invite us to how we walk in that, that we are meant to walk in what Romans 6 is going to say, just like the way that it says it there, to walk in the newness of life the newness of life in Christ. And what I want you to hear here is we're not talking about the past, we're talking about the present. We're not just talking about the moment that you got saved, but we're talking about a place that God would invite you today to do life where you would be living into this concept of new, of newness, and what that would look like and be like. Now, really, I could give you dozens and maybe dozens and dozens of scriptures. I want to give you just a few, but just to understand, I could amplify it had we time, but a few scriptures that would just speak this to us in a way that would help us see that certainly this is how God has us to live. 
So one I just was referring to there in Romans 6 gives it to us this way. Therefore, we were buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. Wow. Okay, there's deep theological waters taking place here in Romans 6, and just kind of catch it as clear as you can, that he's telling us this same concept, that there's no other way to have life than through Jesus. And the way that we have life is that Jesus died on the cross, and he rose from the grave, so that we find ourselves connecting with Christ, buried with him through baptism into his death. And so there's a a picture here that what baptism pictures is this born-again experience. So what baptism is meant to express is somebody who's believed upon Jesus that because he died on the cross and was buried in the grave, so we died and we rose again. And so there's this incredible connection to the death and resurrection of Christ, hugely significant, but again, just telling us that's what we have. If you're a follower of Jesus, this is who we were, but now because of that, he says, even so, we should walk in newness of life. And where I want you to just kind of clue in here is kind of the focus of time taking place in this. You know, there is one sense that we were looking backwards. We were buried with him, with him through baptism and death, that we recognize that that's both what Jesus did. And for you, if you're a follower of Jesus, you were born again. That moment you believed upon Jesus, you were born again. Incredible good news. Incredible good news. But right now, he's not talking to you about your past, but the present, for he says, even so, we should walk in newness of life. We we should be doing this now. That what God is seeking to do inside of you is bring you into a place that new life is what you do. It's what we seek to walk in. It's what's being held out to us right now that God is inviting you to live in newness of life. That's pretty incredible. Oh, think about it this way. In Ephesians, he tells us, be renewed in the spirit of your mind. He says, I want you to be made new again. I want that newness to be refreshed in your life. Now, in context, he's telling us, hey, put off the old man, put on the new man that's in Christ. But in the midst of those two, he says, I want that sense, I want your new to happen again. I want this place where you find yourself, you know, it's like I was new and now I'm renewed. I'm kind of like that newness is restored and refreshed and revitalized inside of us, that he would do that in us. We think about it in 2 Corinthians, he gives it to us this way. Therefore, we do not lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. He says, here's where you are. Physically, your body is going the wrong direction. Most of us understand that pretty well. It's like, yeah, that's true. But spiritually, he wants to renew you. How much? Every day, day by day. That this newness of life, it's not just a, hey, that happened when I got saved. This newness of life is meant to be today, where God, you, he would draw us into a place of being renewed in him, that being renewed day by day. In fact, in Romans 12, it gives it to us this way, that we're not to be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So as we think about living this life out, this life that we mentioned in, in our t- just kind of announcements, just living this life of worship and surrender to God, he says, here's, I don't want the world to control you. I don't want the world to press you into its mold. Instead, I want it to make you new. 
I want your mind just continually being made new and refreshed and and this newness of life in Christ to be taking place in the heart of who you are because that'll bring you into everything that God has for you. That's the way that this is supposed to work. You know, I think about all of this, and I think about a verse that has just been kind of popping up in this last little season for, for me as I've been praying for our church, and think about it, that some of you who do the, even the daily, the Bible reading app, this is the verse of the day yesterday, and it just gives it to us this way in Isaiah 43, where God is just announcing, it says, behold, I will do a new thing, so it shall spring forth, shall you not know it? I will even make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. She says, I'm going to do the impossible. I'm going to do that which seems, you know, out of order. I'm going to do something new. And there are all of these things with this expression that God is inviting us into this place of new. And so what I need you to understand is right now there's something that God is wanting to take place inside of you, a place where that's happening. And maybe you already got that figured out. Maybe I'm speaking to you this morning. You're like, that's, I, I know, Jim. That's, that's kind of how I live my Christian life. I, I do that. And if so, then I'll just speak things that you already know. But for some of you, you're not. I mean, somehow you didn't really understand that there's this incredible reality that is yours in Christ that you could be walking in. Think about it this way. For some people, it's the idea of a new year. So people approach a new year, they end 2021, they move into 2022, and they kind of maybe make New Year's resolutions, and there's kind of this idea of of a fresh beginning, and hey, you know, we're going to leave the failures of yesterday, we're going to press into something that's new, and lots of hopes and dreams are poured into that all the way around the world. I'm not speaking ill of that, I'm not saying it's a bad thing, neither am I saying it's something we need to or have to do, but I just want you to feel this desire for boy, I would like to, I'd like to leave behind that which was there. I'd like to step into that which is new. And I want to tell you, there's a longing in our world for this, but it's not found in the calendar. It's not found on a calendar. It's found in Christ. And I just want you to understand, you have something that the whole world longs for. And I just want to call you to do it better. I want to call you to walk in newness of life. So how do we do that? Well, that's exactly what Paul gives us now. So go back with me there in Philippians 3. You just had read Paul's testimony, how God had brought him to an end of himself to find life in Christ. And now he says in verse 12, not that I've already attained or that I'm already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Wow. Hey, this is a pretty well-known section, but hear it again. We think about what Paul is giving us to, and he's giving us at least a few keys that will help us walk in the newness of life. And the first one he gives us is what I want to refer to is a calculated dissatisfaction. A calculated dissatisfaction. Yeah, he says it there in verse 13, I do not count myself to have apprehended. 
I do not count myself to have apprehended. This word count, it's an interesting word. It literally is an accounting word, legizomai in the Greek. It has the idea of kind of evaluating kind of where it is and recognizing kind of deficit, if you want to think about that, need that's in the midst of that, you know, a way that you would take advantage of that or see where it is and then act on that. And I'm trying to think about how to say that better, but I know this, for most of you, you do this in certain aspects of your life. Let's just talk about your account. Maybe you maintain you know, an account, a, a, maybe a financial institution, and some of you are the kind of person that checks your account every day, and some of you check it just you know, once a month or kind of in the midst of it, but one way or another, you recognize what you have, right? I mean, so if you kind of do an accounting and you have like 100 bucks in the account, you know, you're like, okay, got 100 bucks in the account. And so you, know, you kind of begin to think, I have to live in light of that. I have to live in light of what that is. You know, can't go write a check for $150 or don't go write a check for $150, you know, know, because you don't have it. I mean, if you know what you have, then it, it causes you to respond to it. And maybe it causes you to think, hey, you know, I need to kind of, you know, go earn some money. Got to do some things to kind of fill that because I know where I am in that. Well, Paul takes that concept and he says that's how he sees his soul, that he does this place where he looks at who he is and he says, "I, I recognize there's lack there. I recognize I haven't yet arrived. I haven't yet, you know, got everything that God has for me. And he he calls us to have the same heart in our lives. The danger is that instead of doing this, we would find ourselves settling for where we are. The danger is that would be there on our lives that instead of having this recognition that there's more, We could settle right where we are. I think about this, and so just processing this through, and I ran across a quote from D.L. Moody where he's just simply said, our greatest fear should not be a failure, but of succeeding at things in life that do not really matter. So as we think about moving forward to our lives, it shouldn't be that I just don't want to be a failure. It's like, but boy, if you only succeed at those things which are fully within your power to do, and you miss everything that God has for you, boy, that's a failure. You know, we, we ought to be those who say, God, I want everything that you have for me. Or let me give it to you in a different way. Uh, one of my favorite quotes that I share every now and then with you guys is one from John Newton, the author of Amazing Grace, most well-known uh, him in the midst of it. And he looked at his own life, and he had this calculated dissatisfaction, if I can say it that way, using the term that I've given you, of the way that he saw his life. And he simply said it this way. He says, I am not what I ought to be. He says, right now, I just look at myself, I should be better than I am. I'm not satisfied with the person I am. I'm not satisfied with where I am. And it's not what I want. I am not what I want to be. I am not where that that would be. I, I am not what I hope to be, he went on to say. But still, as he acknowledges that, he looks back and says, I am not what I used to be. And by the grace of God, I am what I am. He says, I am not what I, I mean, God has brought me this far. I recognize his good work in my life. He went on in the midst of this quote to just extract a a little bit more, and he took those same things. He says, I am not what I ought to be. Oh, and how imperfect and deficient. I mean, just looked and said, you know, I I admit it. I'm not what I should be. I'm not the person, I'm not the man that I should be. I'm not the woman that I should be. I I recognize that I ought to be better than this, and and I don't, I'm not happy about it. He says, I'm not what I wish to be. 
I would abhor what is evil and I would cleave to that which is good. Oh, how I could just wish I could say, hey, I don't want that. I, I want these things. I wish for something so much more than where I am. And went on to say, I am not what I hope to be soon. Soon shall I put off this mortality with, all, with mortality, all sin and imperfection. I look forward to the day that, that these things, that what I am, will no longer be there. Sin will no longer be the problem. In his presence and righteousness will live. He says, that's true. I, I believe all of these things. I recognize all of this. Yet though I am not what I ought to be, nor what I wish to be, nor what I hope to be, he went on again to say, I can truly say. I am not what I, once wa- what I once was, a slave to sin and Satan, and I can heartily join with the apostle and acknowledge by the grace of God I am what I am. It's a quote taken from Paul the Apostle. He says, here's where I am. It's God's grace that brought me this far. It's God's grace that has established me into this space. And he acknowledges, hey, that's where I am. But he closes this quote simply saying, and by his grace yet more, I am not what I will be. This is a calculated dissatisfaction. This is a place that he says in his own words by this admission that he's not what he should be, not what he ought to be. God's brought him this far, and if God gives him a little bit more space, he, he, he wants to be different, that he wants to see that growth take place into his life, that he longs for that to happen, and that longing is what I need to express that you need to have. That longing, that place where you would say, that's true. But hear me clearly, the danger, and this is a really big danger, is that you might have a nodding assent to this without really believing it, without really calculating it into your soul. See, I think if I took you aside right now and asked you, are you perfect? Are you the, are you the, are you the best version of you? Are you everything you could be? I think for many of you, it's like, no, not me. I know that. You know, I'm not perfect. Jesus is perfect. You know, and isn't that good? But the weird thing is that can almost become this place of, but I'm okay. You know, I'm, I'm okay with where I am. I'm, instead of having this calculated dissatisfaction. See, my great fear, my sadness, is I would put before you, I think most Christians settle somewhere in their life. I think the average trajectory of a Christian life somehow becomes a settling. So it would become like this. You know, at one place, here's some of this person who's lost and outside of Jesus, and God does this incredible work that saves them, you know, draws them to life in Christ. And oftentimes there's this just growth that begins to take place. They begin to turn away from some really big sins or bad sins, and, and great things begin happening. It's wonderful and it's good. And then somewhere in life, they just kind of plateau out as if this is good enough, like, you know, I, you know I, this, is, this is fine. I mean, I'm better than most people. I'm better than my neighbors. I'm better than my friends. You know, and, and somewhere, if you could just almost mark the trajectory, it would just be level. Now, I might be wrong in this. Maybe that's a, a, a wrong assessment, but I want to tell you, I think I could give biblical cause to it or even pictures of it. For some of you, you're familiar with your Old Testament and hope that all of you would be. But in the Old Testament, you have this incredible picture where God takes the, the, the children of Israel into the land of promise, where he delivers it to them. He brings Joshua and all the leaders, and they begin to move into the land. And if you know the account, God marks out all that he wants to give them. He gives them this incredible borders of the land of Israel. He says, this is all going to be yours if you'll just believe me. But he doesn't give it to them all at once. 
They divide the land in the book of Joshua into the different tribes of the land, and they give each tribe a piece of the land, and they initially have this good beginning. They have a conquering of the land. They begin to step into it, not giving them the entire thing, and then God basically tells them, here's what I want you to do. I want you to grow. I want you to keep pressing. I want you to keep, you know, driving out the enemies. I want you to keep, I want you to move to the whole border of everything that I have for you. I want, I want what you've started to continue to be what you're doing so you can have everything that that would be. But the sad reality is they didn't. Every one of the tribes, you know, they get to a place, they drive out some of the enemies, they see some growth, and somewhere along the line, they settle. And they, instead of continuing to pursue everything that God has for them, they get comfortable where they are. They allow the enemies to remain in the land, which becomes their downfall uh, in, in coming just ages and spaces. And the scary thing is I believe that's what happens in so many lives. That there's a, a place in our lives that we get to where somehow whatever good we've attained is good enough. Now, maybe that's not you. Maybe I'm not speaking to anybody here this morning. That would be incredibly good if I was. But the danger is, it, for some of you, it's not. I mean, you're, you, again, you kind of live your life. You're like, well, you know, I'm okay. I mean, I'm, I go to church. I read my Bible. I'm, you know, I do a few things. And, you know, I'm better than many people. And I'm kind of good with that. But I want to tell you what Paul is saying. Is I, 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 he says, I calculate it. Boy, I, I'm not there. I'm not the man I should be. There's more for me in Christ. There's more for me to be. There's more for God wants to change and work in me. There's more that would be there. And Paul says, I recognize that and I calculate it. I have this place where I'm just saying, I am not yet there. I am not, there's more that God wants to do in me. And that passion becomes really the heartbeat that so often moves into that. And that's what I'm calling you to have, which is what Paul is saying. So see it again one more time in the text. He says it in verse 12. Not that I've already attained. Like, I have not reached the zenith of what God has for me. Or I'm already perfect. He says, but I press on, that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended. That's what you need. You need to have a calculated dissatisfaction where you are admitting and saying, hey, there's more. There's more that Jesus has for me. There's more that he wants to work in me, that I want to continue just growing in Christ. I want to continue becoming more the man or the woman in God that God has for me so that I can look at it and say, God, I I want to leave behind. That we could say, you know, kind of with John Newton, you know, I, I recognize that God has rescued me from places, but there's more. So that if God gives us another year, which by the way, totally good if he doesn't. I mean, kind of really good if Jesus comes back right now. But if he gives us another year and we get to the end of 2022, boy, I'd like to be found better. I'd like to be saying, you know, God has continued growing. I, 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 I'm not the man that I was at the beginning of 2022. I, I'm, not, I'm not there. God has, has continued to shape my life and continued to grow me in Christ. That's what we want to have. We want to have this calculated dissatisfaction. Well, that's maybe one of the most important parts of it. But to do that, well, we need this second key which means we consciously forget the past. Notice with me again how he says it in verse 13. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind. Forgetting. 
those things which are behind. Yeah, this really becomes an important key, an important key that helps us walk in the things that God has for us because there is a really big danger that your past can hold you down. Now, this can be your past failures, but it can also be your past successes. It's your past. It's, it's what you were. It's where you were in previous spaces. It's where you were in 2021 or 2020 or, or other spaces. Our past so often can be that which holds us back from stepping into what God has for us, stepping into what that looks for us. And one of the great keys of our lives is to be able to say, I'm not there. So again, I think about it. I don't know what new beginning God is speaking into your life right now. Maybe, again, it's a brand new beginning that God is inviting you to do something you've never done before, that you've never stepped into, and yet one of the great dangers is you've never done it before. And it's so much easier to live in what's comfortable. It's so much easier to stay in that space that that you've lived in. But if you're going to be invited into something new, you have to be able to step there. For some of you, again, it's this change where God is moving you from one thing to another. And yet sometimes it can be like, well, I I remember that. I remember the good old days. I mean, like that was so good. And yet he would invite us. Well, that was good, but that's no longer where we are. I mean, is that not certainly a little bit where we are as a church? Where again, for some of you are going to be like, man, I miss Pastor Phil. I miss, I miss, well, I do too. I really loved those days, but we're not, we're in these days. And you have to be able to say, well, that's not where we are. This is where we are. I want what God has for us. I want to step into everything that that is. For some of you, it's darkness. Maybe it's darkness that wasn't your own creating. Maybe it's something in life that just caught up with you and crushed. I recognize that. Some of you have, have really made a mess of things and it's your fault. You did it. And, and you're there, and yet sometimes that can just hold you down. We're like, well, I just, you know, I, I made a mess of it. But you can forget your past. You can leave that behind. You can leave behind that which was dark, and you can leave behind that which was dismal, and you can say, okay, I've got to want a new beginning. I don't want to be controlled by my failures of yesterday. For some of you, again, it's just the failures themselves, that you've tried something, and it didn't go well for you. Like you tried it and it failed. And so now you just let that failure define all your future choices. So that you, instead of saying, you know what? Yeah, I did fall down. Yeah, I did try. I did try to do that. But you know what? You know, I need to get back up. I like the way the book of Proverbs says it. It says, for the righteous man fall, may fall seven times and rise again. And it's just this picture of saying, okay, if we we're trying to walk with God, it doesn't mean we don't fail and we don't, you know, fail to, to, to see all those things. But, you know, we get back up. And you can't let the failure hold you down. But yet, sometimes that's what's happening. That place of where it's been there. Or, again, maybe it's just being called to continue what God has done in your life. But the danger is, again, you can't live in where you were. That success of this last year or last decade, if you're going to walk in the newness of life, you have to be present today. You have to step into it, walk in it. The past cannot be that which holds you. And there's just such a very huge danger of this. Your, people's past so often totally destroys their lives, totally keeps them from living what, what they have for them, and yet you can't live there. Hear me clearly. Nobody in this room, nobody watching, nobody on planet Earth can actually live in your past. You just can't. God is calling us to leave that behind. I think about it this way in Ecclesiastes. It would say, do not say, 
Why were the former days better than these? For you do not inquire wisely concerning this. Hey, you know what? Just let this wash over you. For somebody, you just need to be rescued from this. Because there are some people that sit there and you step in here and it's January 2nd, 2022, and you're like, man, the old days were so much better. You know, we're here, but boy, I wish we could go back to, I don't know, maybe it was the 60s or the 50s or the 30s, or I don't know what it is that you think, hey, those were the good days. You know, these, those, and he says, if that's what you're saying, it's not really wise. I mean, for starters, all of us have a bad memory. None of us really know this. Here's what I know. The brokenness of sin has destroyed our world from the beginning until now. There's never been a space from Adam and Eve's sin to this moment that you would look back and say, those were good. You know, genuinely, we have have messed it all up everywhere. And yet, any time spent thinking, hey, there would be better days than the day that you live in to live, it's keeping you from living today. You can't go back. I don't know if it was something good in your life in the past year. Somebody, you know, it was good years ago. I mean, there are people who literally spend the rest of their life reliving their college days. Boy, those were the good old days. Back when I could play on sports and I was a football player, and now I can't do that any longer. It's like, well, that's not, like, you know, you, you, that's not where you are. You can't go back and live in those days. I think about how Isaiah would say it. It says, do not remember the former things, nor consider the things of old. Now, this is, again, God speaking. In fact, this is a preface to the verse that we saw a moment ago, and I'm going to put it on the screen again, but it's a command. Like, hey, don't let that be your focus. Don't remember the former things. Don't let those things be the things that you consider, because God is saying, behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth, and shall you not know it? I will make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. I'm going to do something now. And God is inviting us to that. He's inviting us into this present moment. Will Rogers said it really well in a quote years ago. He just simply says, do not let yesterday use up too much of today. Don't spend your day thinking about what you cannot change. And I know that's what I'm, I'm speaking to some that that's exactly what you do. I mean, some people, they're like, you know, and and maybe it was a failure you did. Maybe it was a mistake in this last year or 10 years ago. And so people just sit there and and, and just, oh, what would it have been like if I could could go back in time and if I could change that? And and almost as if imagining you can't, but you can't. I mean, nobody ever gets a redo. Nobody ever gets to kind of say, hey, can can I go back in time? You're never going to get that. All you have is right now. All you have is right now. And you need to be here. You need to be in this present moment. you got to live in this space. One of my favorite quotes that I share with you guys often is from Jim Elliott, where he simply said, wherever you are, be all there, wherever you are. Wherever God has you, be fully present. And there's so much I could say about this, but this is the biblical call, where on one hand, we can leave the past behind, and on the other hand, we can leave the future with God, where Jesus would say, hey, don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow's got enough trouble of its own. Be present. Be in this place where you're saying, God, give me today my daily bread. Give me this moment. Help me to be fully in this space. It would be really sad if God could actually show us what it's like. I don't know if any of you guys use like that screen time kind of report. Maybe some of you has, have some kind of, you know, on your phone, if you any of you have that, or that, you know, there's kind of this new thing that came out a few years ago where like once a week it'll give you like this report, like how much time you wasted, you know, like you wasted so much time. I'm just like, oh, I don't know if any of you guys ever do that. But I, if God would do that for us, I wonder how much 
time, he would say, you wasted so much time on your past, and you wasted so much time on your present, and you were very, I mean, I, I think it would scare us if we'd actually recognize how little of the time we're actually fully present in the moment, where we're saying, God, I'm, I'm not in the past, I'm not in the future, I'm here. This is where I am. This is, I, I, I need to be fully present because that's the only space I can live. And yet for Paul, that's what he's telling us. He's telling us, here's what I do. He says, this one thing I do, I forget those things which are behind. I don't let those hold me back. I, I, I leave that and I turn that. And here's what I need to tell you. The incredible thing is that's possible in Christ. Now, at this moment, we're specifically speaking about our failures. And I just want to tell you it's true. Some of you were with us a few weeks ago in 1 John when we covered that incredible verse where God just tells us if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. The Christian bar of soap, we called it, or it's been called. Here's this place where he says, if you'll do it, if you'll confess your sins, if you'll admit them, God will wash you away. He'll wash them so that you're really clean, so that your forgiveness is real, that God will forgive your sins and he'll cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Can I tell you, that's possible in God. That's what he does. I mean, when you came to Christ, if you're a believer, that ha- you, 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 you gained just the forgiveness in Christ, and today, in a fresh way, he invites you into this, and he does that. And it's amazing. It's amazing. You can really enter into a space where your past no longer is held against you by God. It doesn't work anywhere else. I, I know it's a silly illustration, but think it through with me. People love the new year. I mean, all over the world, people do. And kind of this idea of it's a new beginning, but it's not really a new beginning. I mean, it, the calendar didn't change anything. So here's the deal. You know, if you robbed a bank on December 15th, you know, and maybe you didn't get caught, and then come January 2nd, the police catch up with you, you're not going to be able to tell them, it's a new year. Like... <laughs> New start, you know, that, that, was, that was the past, you know, it's like, I, you know, you, know, you, you should have caught me by December 31st because when the calendar changed, you know, uh, it's no long, it doesn't work that way. You know, that's never, it, there's, the calendar didn't actually absolve anything. But there's this heart that people long for it. But what I need you to understand is we have it. What our world wishes for, longs for, the ability to say, I don't want my past to control me. I want to be forgiven. I, I, I want to leave something behind. We actually have it every day. We have it in Christ. We get to come and say, okay, I get to do this. I get to confess my sins, and he gets to wash me away. So that this brand new beginning is a part of how I do my life. It's, it's that which our world longs for. And I, maybe you already get it, but I just don't know if you could understand. You have what the world dreams about in this time of year where you could look and say, you know what, a calendar will never give you what I have in Christ, but it's better than you could ever imagine, that you could be forgiven, and you could enjoy that. So, we need it. It's it's a part of our lives, that we need this calculated dissatisfaction, we need this consciously forgetting the past, we need to be able to do that, but then he gives us the third key that really kind of ties it together for us, and that is, he says, we need to press after those things which are ahead. Go back and just read it with me there in verse 13. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ 
Jesus. Paul gives us this understanding. He says, here's what I'm doing. I'm reaching. I am reaching forward. I, I, I see it. I, I want to reach forward. And this reaching is this really powerful athletic term. You can probably feel it, right? I'm pressing for the prize. I'm stretching out. I'm, I'm intentionally, purposely, passionately saying, I want it. I want that which God has for me. And I think that's just a really good space for us to talk about for a moment. To say, hey, that's how we're supposed to be living our lives. Now, it's the beginning of a new year. Um, and kind of end that whole line, it's even just helpful for me to say that part of the way this must work is to be about the basic Christian exercises, or let me put it a different way. So for many people, maybe one of the most common New Year's resolutions has to do with health, where people are like, hey, this year I'm going to lose weight, and this year I'm going to be healthy and going to do that. Well, here's what I just need you to know. If that's where you are, and that's not a bad place to be, there are two things you absolutely need. You need to eat better and exercise. That's really all there is to it. I mean, I'm not saying that there's not ways to do some of that better, but nobody's ever going to get there without doing that. So when that infomercial comes on or something like that, hey, here's the new way where you can eat chocolate and watch Netflix and be healthy, <laughs> it doesn't actually work. It doesn't, I mean, you, you, you should know that. It's like, no, that doesn't work. That's a lie. There's, you're never going to get there if you don't eat right and exercise. I mean, that's really, I mean, it might be different and how you decide to do that might be different, that's fine. But it, it's fun, there are some basic fundamentals to health and eating well and exercising are part of it. And so in Christ, if we're exercising, if we're pressing ourselves forward, there are basics. One of the places that expresses it really well is in Acts 2. It's the very beginning of the church, and it just tells us the things that they continued in steadfastly. The things that were basics that they would do over and over and over and over constantly. And I just want to hold them before you today. It says they continued steadfastly in the Apostles' Doctrine fellowship, and breaking of bread, and prayers. There are at least four basics that no Christian life is going to be healthy without. The first one is the Apostles' Doctrine. That's a biblical way, New Testament way of saying the Bible from a New Testament perspective, seeing it all about Jesus, that it's Jesus, but to say it in the most simple way, it's the Bible. No Christian is going to be healthy without being in the Bible consistently, even daily. It's impossible. No one's going, I'm doing really well, Jim, I just don't read my Bible lie, <laughs> doesn't work. That's, you, you've got to be in your Bible. There's no other way. And you need to be in fellowship. You need other believers. There is no Christian that can do the Christian life well alone. You're not made for it. You're made to need other believers. You're made to live life in connection. That's more than just being present, by the way, in Sunday services, though that's a good start. It actually is the idea of being connected and being connected with other believers. We're made for it. And we need the breaking of bread, which is this picture of communion, that we're living constantly in light of the cross, that our whole life is geared towards this understanding that Jesus died for us. There's nobody who gets better without living that way. And then we pray. There were people who pray, that that's a part of our lives. I don't know what your habits are looking like as you've begun the new year. Maybe these are things that you recommitted to as a new year's resolution. I'm not saying you need to make a new year's resolution, but I am saying these need to be a part of your life. Hey, you want it? Do you want what God has for your life? You'll never get there without this. You'll never get there without just being someone who's in the Bible, who's praying, who's keeping their eyes on Christ, who's in, in connection with God's people. These are basics. These are basics that are a part of them, and yet they're not an end in themselves. The goal, well, it needs to be just said very clearly, 
is knowing God. It's relationship with Him. We're made to love Him. In fact, you might just quickly notice it in the text. Go back there in verse 8. Paul says it this way. He says, Yet I indeed count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, whom I have suffered the all, loss of all things, and I count them as rubbish, because I just want Christ. I want to gain Christ. It's one of my favorite verses. He says, I count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ. There's just no easy way to tell you how big that phrase is. Um, it's the most, um, in the Greek language, it's probably the, uh, the word that would say it's better than anything else. You know, I've kind of said in one sense, if you were to translate it, maybe literally, it'd be like super surpassing. It's like knowing God, it leaves everything else in the dust. I mean, knowing God, it's super surpassing. It leaves, everything else is nothing compared to knowing Him because that's what we're made for. It goes on to say in verse 10 that I may know Him and the power of His resurrection. So certainly that's a part of it, that there's a sense that if we are going to be stretching out for what's ahead of us, then, then we're pursuing a relationship with God that's going to be found in those basics. So it's worth me just pausing to say that this morning, again, because it's the first Sunday of the year, and that's a part of that. But now leaving that, let me also hold to you this. I just want to tell you that God is so faithful, and partly today when I'm talking about stretching out to what's new, I just want to tell you that there are things that are right in front of you that there are things that I can just tell you are there simply because I know that our God is faithful. I can tell you that He is doing that, that He is putting things right there. So when we're talking about walking in something new, I, I just think you already understand what it is. I think it's right there in front of you. I think about it this way. When Paul would give it to us or the writer of Hebrews would give it to us in Hebrews 12, he says, therefore, let us lay aside the weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. This incredible place is, okay, yeah, we need to leave sin behind. We need to leave the things that are holding us back behind. But then there's a race. There's a race. And it's right in front of you. I know it's there because God's faithful. He's putting a course, a life that's right in front of you. Think about it this way. We're in Philippians this morning, but back in the first part of Philippians in chapter 1, Paul says, being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. So here's what I know. Are you a follower of Jesus? Did he begin a good work in you? He has not thrown in the towel. You might have thrown in the towel. You might be settling. He is not. He never gets to somebody's Christian life and goes, eh, good enough. <laughs> you know, you're better, you know, the, I'm, I'm going to go on to somebody else, you know, who's a little less thick-headed than you. And he just says, no, I started this. And I'm not going to quit till you're together with me. So here's what I know. He's doing that. He's working on you. He's not satisfied with your, where you are. He has more for you. He's doing it. He's putting things before you right now. It goes on in chapter 2 of, of Philippians and says, you know, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. And I love just the way that these two concepts are held just perfectly together. On one hand, there's no laziness on our part. Nobody could sit there and say, yep, I'm pursuing everything God has by sitting on the couch and doing nothing. You know, just let, let go and let God let him do everything. It never works. He says, work it out. 
Like, you do everything you, that you can. Be in your Bible. Be in prayer. Be in fellowship. Be focused on Christ. Be doing these things. You work that out, but then God is going to work in you to will and to do for His pleasure. He's going to be putting things on your heart. He's going to actually be, be laying desires and things in your heart and your mind. He's going to be doing that, and then He'll help you do it. So there are things that God is seeking to do right now. There are things that God's doing, and He's inviting you again to be there. Or again, in the words of my favorite quote, wherever you are, be all there. Be right here. Be right where God has you. Be right in this moment where God is seeking to do something that's real, that's life-giving, that's, that's a part of this, that He's inviting us to that. So I believe this with all my heart. There's not anybody that's hearing my voice right now that today God doesn't have something new for you. I believe that. I believe He's wanting to invite us into new life. And my question for you is what is it? What's the new? What's new right now? What's, what's meant to be there? What's, what's meant to be a part of that? It might be that this morning, as we think through everything we've talked about, it might be that you haven't even begun yet. It might be that you're in that space that you're not yet a follower of Jesus, and, and I just need to say, He's offering you new life. Think about how Jesus said it. He said, he answered, speaking to Nicodemus, most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. That's the ultimate new beginning. You need to be born again. Nobody's going to get to heaven outside of this, but that's possible. That's what Jesus came for. And if you're here this morning outside of this, then maybe your new beginning is the new beginning that God would rescue you from your sin and draw you into life in Christ. And I want to tell you, he does that. He fixes lives. He, he, he came to save. And today, if that's you, we're inviting you into life in Christ. We're inviting you to believe upon Jesus and be saved and become a new creation. And we'd love to talk to you more about that. But here's what I know. For many of you, you are. Now, there's something here that I want you to make sure you understand that the, you could almost grasp it and say, I have, I am what our world longs for. They long for new beginnings, and I am one. I am one that God has done that. But the key is now for you is to walk in it. So I'm asking the question again. I wonder what it would be. I wonder today, like right now, what that is. And we're not talking about a year from now, because again, that's how our brains can run. We get like, this is where I hope to be in a year. That's not what you are. Today, what's newness of life for you? What, what does that look like? Maybe again, it's something brand new. Maybe God is putting something on your heart that you've never done before. And it's right there. I mean, it's right there. The only thing that's keeping you back is your own fears. Then it's a good day to walk in it. It's a good day to say, okay, oh God, I want to try. I want to step out and do this, which you have put on my heart, which you're giving me the desire to do, and I, I want to work this out. I want to step into new life that's there. Or maybe, again, it's leaving one thing to be involved in something else, which can be hard. Sometimes it's almost easier just to stay in kind of just that which has some momentum and, and saying, well, you know, it's, it may not be the best thing, but at least I'm doing something. But sometimes God is saying, okay, it's time to do something different. And that's a good space to be in. And maybe he's speaking that to you today and inviting you to say, hey, come, step into what I have for you. Or maybe, again, it's leaving darkness. I know I'm speaking to somebody this morning that, 
Again, the, 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 the failures of your life have gripped you. Again, maybe it's stuff that you had no control of. Maybe it's your own failures. And somehow you hear my voice, but you almost don't believe it's possible. It's like, yeah, I've made a mess of it. I've made a mess of my life. I, I've messed it up so badly. There's not really hope for me. You know, I just, just got to stay here in my mess, you know, as if somehow like, and he's saying, come on out. Let's, let's start new. Don't let your failures yesterday keep you back. Yes, that we messed up. Yes, there's consequences, but God is an amazing God, and today He would be inviting you into new life, and if that's you today, I just need you to hear it. God does new, and He's longing to give you new life, or maybe you've just failed. Maybe you've failed a bunch of times, and the weird thing is our failures sometimes can begin to define us, so here's how it works. I encourage you this morning saying, you know, you want to be good in Christ, you want to be walking with Christ, there are basics in your life that need to be there. And I told you, hey, one of the basics is to like read the Bible. So this is just an example, but I think I'm speaking to somebody because here's how it works. Somebody be like, yeah, I need to read the Bible. I tried that before and I failed. (laughs) I was going to read the whole Bible in a year and I messed up. And, you know, it didn't take me to like January 15th and I destroyed the whole thing. And and, and so now because you you, you weren't able to do it before, you don't even try anymore. It's like, uh, I tried that. doesn't work for me. I'm telling you, it does work. I'm telling you, you need it. And, and if you're being defined by your, your past, even your, you, know, you tried and it failed, then there's a good, say, I'm, that's not, I'm not going to let that define me. Maybe the newness is to, is to believe that you can get back up and, and, and what, what you weren't able to do before, who knows what God would do? Maybe you're being invited, you know, God's inviting you to be very active in sharing the gospel and, and, and to be sharing. And you're like, man, I tried it. It didn't really work good. Do it again. Get back up. If this is what he's inviting you into, step into these moments where this new space today isn't your failures of yesterday. It's a place of saying, okay, God, that's, I want to do that. Or again, for somebody, it's just to be fully present in the things that he's already brought you in. See, I know I'm speaking to somebody that kind of crossed over the new year and you're like, man, I've already, I've been living this way. I've already, you know, been implementing changes into my life. I'm in the Bible, I'm reading, I'm praying, I'm doing things. And and you're like, I don't know, I didn't even know how to make a new year's resolution, even if I should, I don't know if it's good or bad and lots of thoughts on that, but leaving it aside, but maybe it's just a step into it. It's like, I know what I'm supposed to be doing. I just need to be fully present. I just need to be fully present present in this new day, not saying, well, I, yeah, that's what I was doing in December or, or November, but this is what I'm doing today. See, I don't know which one it is, and there's probably even more just possibilities in the midst of it, but I know this. It's different all around the room, but it's something new, that you are meant to walk in the newness of life. And if you walk in the newness of life, you're going to have to be in this place of saying, I am not satisfied with where I am. I know there's more for me, I'm not going to let my past define me. One thing I do, I'm going to let go of it, and I'm stretching because I want it. I want what's right in front of me. I want what that is, and I simply call you there. I simply call you to be one that is actively reaching for what God is putting right in front of you. He's faithful. I know that. It's no doubt that he has it for you, but the question is, are you going to press into it? Are you going to press into what God has for you? So that's a good place for us to wind it down. You can close your Bibles, your notebooks, and we'll just kind of end there this morning. And as we do so, again, I don't know where that's found you. I don't know what that's looking like in your life. I don't know where that that kind of rolls across. But we want to just take a moment to pray. 
I'm going to take a quiet moment. We're just going to give you a space to pray. And it might be a space that you want to, again, surrender your life to Jesus. You can do that right here and now. Or it might be the place that you need to take up that which is new, which is right in front of you. Where you need to do just quietly for a moment what we've talked about. Where you're going to say, God, I'm just going to calculate it right now. I don't have it all. There's more that you have for me. I'm not going to live in the past. I'm going to press into the future. So as we take a moment to pray, would you just do that? Quietly, whatever that looks like in you, would you just take a moment to talk to him about that? And just long that he would draw you into that. So you take a moment and pray while I do the same thing, and we'll come back together and close in worship in a moment. God, I thank you that you are a God that does new beginnings. I do pray for any right now that have not been born again, that today you're drawing them to you, to new life in Christ. God, thank you that you are today drawing people around the world to you. Do that even now. But then, God, I just bring our lives before you who are already yours. And you're inviting us to keep living in the newness of life. That this ability to be forgiven, to leave the past behind, to grow, it's how you've designed us. We get to do what the world longs for with reality, what they only get to do in fantasy. We actually get to live in new beginnings. God, I believe you that you're a faithful God, that you are doing a new thing you're doing a new thing in us God help us to walk in that whatever it is show us what it is you said that you would be giving us the will and the ability to do what is your pleasure I pray for that that you would draw us to what you have for us that you would cause us to be those who are pressing forward who are leaving the past behind, who are growing, who are not staying and settling where we are. Thank you for it. Thank you that that's possible. And by your grace, I pray that we would find this to be true in our lives. Thank you for it. Thank you for new beginnings. Thank you for your freshness of life. We honor you right now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.
May God draw you to that. May he draw you to new life. If that's you again that doesn't know Jesus, we just want to tell you we'd love to talk to you more, pray with you, and walk with you in that. If you're surrendering your life to Jesus today, come up and find us afterwards. If you need prayer, and you just want to find someone that just make your way up here after the service. Royce will be up here. Others will be here. We can pray with you. If you need someone to talk to you, we'd love to just to be a part of that and pray with you in this season. In fact, let me just kind of give this encouragement that I've begun to give at this moment in our service. Hey, in a moment, we're going to worship and we're going to begin leaving, but please don't just leave. Take a moment and, and be in fellowship Find somebody, maybe somebody you don't know, introduce yourself, pray for them. Ask people for how you can pray for them. Maybe even pray for them now. Encourage somebody in Christ today. That's just the life that God has for us and longing to see us walk in that more. Well, giving you that as an encouragement, why don't we stand? And we'll make God just our focus right now as we close in worship. In that, I just want to bless you in his name. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.